TV. So what book are we in? Judges. Yeah. What chap? What chapter are we in? Lord willing. Yeah, it is. So I was just getting to say, Lord willing, we will be moving out of chapter four um, today, but we'll see how that goes. Can Can anybody uh, tell me a little bit about what we've been learning? Let's start from the beginning. Let's go back to chapter one. Turn your Bibles to chapter one. What's that? We learned about the gifts and the fact that uh, we are to be, God designed the church to grow and that every part member of the church is important. And he gave us gifts in that end that we are to all be using our gifts and we are our ministers. Good. Anything else you remember? Okay. We, yeah, I want to talk to you about that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, and so Paul even prays for them to have power in the inner man, strength in the inner man. He prays for them to have power. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today because what God asks us to do, he doesn't ask to do us to do on our own strength. He provides the power for that. Good. Sir. <laughs> gingerbread man. We'll see the gingerbread man again today. What is the gingerbread man representing? Soul, spirit, and body. Three parts. And yeah, the soul is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions. Good. Any other things? Real quick. Put off and put on. So the first part, what's our three-word outline for the book of Ephesians? Sit, walk, stand. So sit is soak in, understand what God has done for us, what he's made us in Jesus Christ. The wealth or the riches we have in Jesus Christ. The next is walk in that. Walk in obedience to that. That's the portion of the book we're in right now is walk that out. And so when Carly says put off and put on, part of what that is, that walking that out, means there's some stuff we need to stop and there's some stuff we need to start. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. All right, good. So we're in Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. Lord willing, we'll get to verse 32 today. And I'm just going to do a quick uh, review. In 17, the review is going to be like 20 minutes. And <laughs> uh, don't live like the world is, is kind of the, the idea in verse the first part of verse 17. He says, I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. There, when he's referring to Gentiles, he's not just talking about anybody that's not Jewish, but he's talking about anybody separated from God or basically the pagans, the world, um, the idea that we are to be walking different than we used to walk. We've been saved. I'm going to try and draw a little picture here. Um, Tiffany's not in here to make fun of my drawings. Good. So if you kind of look at uh, this would be considered the world. Or those who. Yeah. Okay. Tiffany said to put you in her place. Yeah, 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 I guess that's where she got it. Happy Mother's Day, Dad. <laughs> so the world or those who are dead. And when we say uh, Ephesians 2 talked about you were dead, but now you've been made alive. 
And so what he's saying is you were separated from God, but now you've been made spiritually alive and been brought into the family of God. So when we talk about the, the world or those who are, are dead, there's all those who do not know Christ. And when we say pagans or heathens or the world, it kind of has this like kind of condemning uh, idea. But really the idea in this scripture is he's not trying to say uh, how horrible the world is. He's saying how wonderful Christ is that we've been rescued out of that. So what he's saying here is you didn't have Christ, but now you do have Christ. And so when we say the world or those dead, we're saying those who did not or do not have Christ. That's these guys. But then he says there's this other group, those who are in Christ and alive. And so what happens is when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you are no longer here. Well, that should be like a, nothing racial about it, but the only color that shows up on blue. Gets transferred into the life of Christ. So now you become spiritually alive. You've been taken out of the world, but I kind of drew that to where you're kind of still in it. You see that that's kind of bold but you're living in a whole different reality. And we talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night, but the idea is you were in the world, you were in darkness, you were in selfishness, you were dead from God, dead to, there was separation between you and God. And now you're living in a whole other spiritual reality. In Christ, and we'll go over some of those things, you are a totally different person. And so the idea in this chapter is, don't live like this, the old, you because you've been transferred into a whole new reality you are now in christ you are a new person you are a different person so that's the way we should be living our lives and a lot of us are here and we struggle because we still have so many of these tendencies that sometimes we don't even look any different than the world or those without christ because we have all these things going on. We've talked about that, the war that wages in us, the flesh, uh, the pressures of the world, uh, the evil one, all these forces that are trying to get us to just live the same way rather than live new in Christ. So that's what he's saying. He says, don't go walk anymore like the Gentiles walk. You've been brought out of that. So now it's time to walk different. And so here's part of why. Because the world operates according to darkness and selfish, evil desires. So you've been brought out of that. You shouldn't be doing that anymore. And here's how he kind of says that. Here's what characterizes those in the world. Remember the blue screen with the white guys in it? Here's what characterizes those people. They walk in the futility of their mind. They have their mind, their understanding darkened. They're alienated from the life of God or dead spiritually because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. They're in darkness. Being past feeling, that means their hearts have grown hard. They've given themselves over to lewdness or sensuality, and that's selfishness or just what I want, what feels good to me, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Again, selfishness. I know this is a big review, and why do we review? Because it's so hard to hang on to truth so often. The more we repeat it, the more it sticks. And so I, I know this may seem like we've already gone over this. And right now, maybe you'd be maybe saying like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. It's intentional to go over this 
again and again so that we remember there is to be a difference. And we are not to be walking in the old way, but we're to be walking in the new way. Okay. And I will say, maybe when you came to Christ many, many years ago, and you're like, yeah, I don't walk that way anymore. I quit this and I quit the big five. Don't drink, uh, smoke, chew, or go, go with girls that do. I don't do any of that stuff anymore. But God, as we're going to see today, even is talking about there should be a transformation in not only our actions, but our attitudes. Our hearts should be different. What's going on internally should also be different. So this is relevant to every single one of us, no matter how far along you are in your walk with God. You do not yet perfectly exemplify Jesus Christ, right? You might be started out way out here, and you've kind of moved like this. But none of us yet are here, matching up perfectly to the life of Christ. So that would be what I would say as we go through this passage today. You're going, God, what kind of attitudes, what kind of actions do you want to change in me? Help me to grab a hold of the fact that I've been made new. And so he says, why are we to walk in the uh, new life that Christ gave us? We're no longer blind. We know the Christ and have truth. We know Christ. You have not so learned Christ if since you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Remember that first picture I drew? He's saying, don't live like this. They're darkened. They're selfish. You're not stuck there anymore. You know Christ. You're over here in that little yellow zone that I talked about. I want to just kind of go through quickly uh, part of, of what that is. And I want to say this is so that we could draw a line here. And these are the people on this side is without Christ. On this side is those that know Christ. And I want to emphasize this because of Jesus Christ. The newness in us has nothing to do with us. All these things I'm going to list is because of what Jesus did. You don't get these things by going to church. You don't get these things by quitting cussing. You don't get these things by giving more money. You don't get these things by reading more of your Bible or showing up to church uh, an extra day a week. These things are given to us by faith in Christ. It's what Christ has done, the riches he provides and you say, yes, I want that. And he gives it to you. It's as simple as that. I don't deserve it, but I want what you have for me. So without Christ, I know this is kind of small. We're guilty, right? We're accused and found guilty of breaking God's law. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Christ or because of Christ, we're declared righteous. He's a perfect judge. And he says, because of what Christ did, I'm going to give you the righteousness of Christ. Without Christ, we're debtors. Uh, we incurred a, a sin debt. And in Christ, our debt has been canceled. Is that nice? You do not have to pay eternally for any of your sins. There may be some earthly consequences, but you will not have to pay eternally for one of your sins. It's been paid for. The sins that you commit tomorrow have been paid for because of Jesus Christ. That's good news. The debt can only be paid by my death. And so that's talking about there's eternal judgment. Those separated say, I don't want to accept Christ's gift. I don't want to accept Christ's payment. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm not a charity case. 
I'm going to do it. And he says, okay, then do it on your own. You're going to pay your own price. That's eternity separated from God. On the other hand, because of Jesus, he gives us new life here and on earth and in a new being that gingerbread man will talk about and also eternity in heaven. We were slaves to sin. I'll go through these quickly, but now we've been freed. We used to have to obey uh, the natural man, but now we have the spirit of God in us. And we have a choice. We don't have to be a slave. We were estranged. We were separated from God, and now we've been adopted by God. We were enemies to God, and now we've been reconciled to God. We were lost, and now we've been found. Now, let me just ask you. Somebody who has all of these blessings that we just went through, should they be living the same as the rest of those people that don't have these blessings? No, it makes no sense. That's kind of the point Paul's making. He says, but you have not learned Christ in that way. You, you know something different. You've been taught Christ. You have truth. You have spiritual life. And so his point here is not to say, Ooh, world is bad. They're so evil. We should hate them. We need to look down on them. His whole point is to go, you were rescued out of that. So don't say stay stuck living that way anymore. See the point he's trying to make here? And it really is logical. Why would we want to live in that old way? And so here we're getting back into some of what we talked about, how to live the life of Christ. We need to put off our old self, renew our mind, and put on our new self. This could sound a little bit like pop psychology, like here's three easy steps to be a different person, to be the new you. Um, it, it's scriptural, it's biblical, and I don't want to like oversimplify it, but I also don't want to overcomplicate it. But really, here's what we're told to do in the scripture. Put off concerning your former conduct. So that's the putting off part. Remember your old way of doing that? Put that off. Stop doing that. Uh, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That was our other step. And put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. All right. Mike was waiting for the gingerbread man. Some of you, again, get angry. You've seen it so many times. It just bothers. That's my best one thinking. Fathers, you'd even see it. You're like, uh, some people have never seen this till today. Lucky them. So we all have a body, right? We all have this body. We're all going to have a body for eternity. We will get, if you're a believer, you get a brand new body. So we will be in a bodily form some way. It's not going to be this exact type of body, but just know the body thing doesn't go away. It may change. It will be transformed. But the body part of us, It'll be good news to get a new body, won't it? I think our new bodies, I could point you to some scriptures, but I want to get into it right now, are going to be around five, six. I think that's like the holy, I think that's like the holy height or something. Right? So if you're tall, get ready, because it's going to be a little, little different. Some of us are just kidding. You know, that's a joke. There's no scriptures that say that. So we all have a body. We all have the soul, which is the, our mind, our will, I know that's hard to read, our emotions, and we all have a spirit. 
Originally, that spirit in us, when we're born, that spirit is separated from God. It's a spirit of Adam. It's a spirit of death. It's, it's a totally separated from God. Um, I'll draw it in red here. But... So we have that spirit. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he makes that new and gives us a brand new spirit. So this is what the holy part of us is. This is the new part of us. When he says, the old you has been crucified with Christ, you're like, crucified? I don't see any marks. Like, what do you mean I've been crucified? I have the same old thoughts. I have the same old memories. I have all these same old bad habits. None of that was crucified. This is what was crucified. The old spirit's done away with. You've been given a brand new spirit. The spirit of Christ, it says in Romans, or the Holy Spirit would be uh, uh, more often the way. So that's the new part of us. This old part of us, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time with us, is the old nature that still hangs on. It's our natural man. It's our autopilot. It's our selfish, natural, animalistic, human tendencies. Fight, flight, selfishness, whatever those things would be. Now, when he says this in these verses, are you all with me, by the way? I know I'm going through a lot. I usually ask more questions. Um, that's all right. It's uh, when, when we go through this, put off and put on. There's two different perspectives to this passage. One is this is totally talking about behavior. That's all it's talking about. Stop doing this. Start doing that. There's this whole other perspective that says it's not about behavior at all. What it's about is just realizing what has already been done. The old you was crucified. You've been made new. I personally believe that Paul wants us to do both. So one, one perspective, and again, I know this is kind of nerdy theology stuff, but it's, it'll be applicable. So stick with me if you're, sorry, Katie, just kidding. I just wanted to put you on the spot. Um, I know her well enough to tease her like that. One says that this is just informing, like, hey, you've been made new. Realize that you are dead and that you've now been alive. One of his informing, and that is, I think, part of it. The other viewpoint is that this is instructing. Stop doing this and start doing that. And I think that's important. So I just want to say, whichever view you choose, well, in a practical way, it's really important for us to do both. So, for example, uh, somebody give me a sin. Give me your neighbor's sin, not your sin. It can be your sin. You could say, I have a friend. Give me your wife's sin or your husband's sin. Just kidding. Give me a sin. Lying. That's in the scripture today. Yeah. Thinking of anybody in particular. I'll just kidding. Um, so lying. You maybe have this tendency to lie. That's your first go-to move. When you someone confronts you on something and your savior own skin mode is lie. It's important for us to do both of these. One would go. Um, I already ran it over, you know, I already took it, I dropped it off earlier today. Like, that's starting to come out of your mouth. You stop that. Okay, that would be the instructing the behavior part. That's the behavior part. Don't say the lie. But it's also important to, to realize, that's the old me. I don't have to lie to save my skin. I can trust God. I've been made new in God. Even if they find me guilty of something, I'm clean before God. I've been made blameless and holy. And so do you see it's both 
realizing the reality of what has God has done in me, but also stopping that behavior. And then instead of why, what should you do? Tell the truth. So the put off is put off that behavior. Don't let the lie come out. The put on is tell the truth. The put off is I don't, I'm not a liar anymore. God didn't burn me again as a liar. The spirit he gave me is a truth teller. And so I'm going to live like that. And that's part of the, having the mind renewed that's in this passage. We have a whole different perspective. Does that make sense? It's important to do that because here, here's what's happened. If you do not do that, and, and if you've been a Christian for any time, you've tried to do this without recognizing what God has done for you and who God has made you. And you become a miserable person trying to live according to the scriptures all in your own power. And you become miserable. And you're the kind of Christian that no one really wants to be around because you're trying to do all the things that God wants you to do. And you're just miserable about it. Rather than going, God has made me new. I'm going to live in that newness. And so it's not just stopping a habit or stopping something bad. It's the idea of learning to be who God has made us. Does that make sense? I know it's a little foggy, kind of a conceptual thing, but it's important for us to realize. This is the idea positionally, practically. We just kind of talked about that. Now, let me just ask you this, because this is going to be important as we talk about put off and put on. What happens, and this, you can give me some feedback. What happens when a person tries to stop a bad habit or sin but does not replace it with something right or life-giving. The what? The old just comes out again. Miserable. Okay, switch one sin for another. Yeah. Yeah, totally sin-minded. It's all about... You're meditating on sin constantly. Yeah, those are all good real answers. I think maybe we have some experience in this department, right? So I think a two, two examples come to mind, and we shared this. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday. The first example comes to mind, and we've, I'll speak for myself. I've done this many, 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 many times in the diet world. It's like I got to quit eating calories, or I can't eat carbs, or I got to cut out this, or I got to cut, I got to stop doing this thing. Right? And it works for like two weeks. But I never really develop eating healthy habit, eat healthy eating habits. And so what ends up happening is it's uh, what do you call it when you're a, one of those kind of dieters? I'm a yo-yo dieter. What a, there's another word for it. Um, but it, but it's one of those things. Can anybody else relate to that? No. Yes, me. Yes, the out-of-shape pastor. Uh, unhealthy out-of-shape pastor. So that's one example. Here's another example. We've talked, some of you are familiar with AA or, or those kind of things, but you've heard the term a dry drunk. And so here's kind of the same idea. You have somebody, they go into a program, and they quit drinking. They haven't drank for 20 years, but they're the most miserable, hateful person that you'd ever want to be around. They don't enjoy any of life. They're no fun. 
but they're not drinking, by golly. And neither should you. And they're just like going to make life miserable for everybody around them. They're not exuding life. And so that's what happens when we put off, but don't put on. And so it's, it's uh, as a believer, what ends up happening is let's say you try and do all these things and you're trying to stop this, stop that. I'm not going to do this anymore. I quit cussing. I quit smoking. I quit going to movies. I don't dance. I don't play cards. I don't listen to the radio. I don't watch TV. I don't do anything. And maybe those are good things that you do need to quit. I'm not saying all that's bad. But that's all you did was quit that stuff. And you're not living out the life of Christ and not showing joy in other ways and uh, exuding the peace of Christ and the enjoyment of life in Christ and the goodness of Christ and the fun that we can have in Christ and the freedom that we can have in Christ. Do you see the difference there? So I just want to really make sure we understand we don't get hung up on the put off, put off, put off, put off, put off. But he wants us to put off and put on. That's why he gave us both these instructions. Okay? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And, and just a couple points on this. It means to make new. So the idea here is that we would begin to see life differently. That we would begin to see things differently. For us to live and do this, to put off and put on, we're going to have to start seeing things totally differently. And this is practically done by recognizing and replacing. So you recognize and go. Do you remember our little picture from last week? I had the arrow and it was like, not really thinking about anything, not thinking about God, incident, sin, not thinking about God. Do you, does anyone remember that? And then you had the deal where it was like, just not thinking, incident, sin. Oh yeah, thinking about God, making it right. And then we had the even the best is where it's like, you're thinking about thinking about God. The incident kind of comes up, but you don't sin in it. The idea here is that we begin to recognize our sinful ways and the hope is that we could recognize them earlier and earlier and earlier before we act out on them and let them out. If you are in that place where you sin and you recognize it, I said this last week, you sin and then you recognize it, praise God for that. And you feel crummy for that. And you feel convicted by that. Don't just swallow in guilt. That's so often what we do is, oh, I just feel like a heel. I feel like a loser. How could I still be here? You thank God. Thank you, God, for still working on my heart, that my heart has not grown hard to the sin yet. Because that's what will happen if you continue and continue and continue. When you feel that guilt, thank God that you feel that. Claim the cleanness that you have in Christ. Go back and make that right. And as you do that, what will happen is it will happen earlier and earlier and earlier. Maybe the first time you do it, you blow up, you freak out. You're all angry, and then what you do is you stew on it for four days. Well, they deserved it. They shouldn't have done that. Well, if they didn't do that. And then as you get convicted, you're like, no, I was kind of a jerk there. I needed to, I shouldn't have handled it that way, even though they were wrong. Then what happens is you do that, then pretty soon you realize it in two days. And then it's the same day. And then it's immediately, as soon as it comes out, you're like, oh, man, I just messed up again. I'm sorry. Give me a minute. I need to walk away. I shouldn't even have said that stuff. But, and then pretty soon as we do that, what happens is we begin to catch it as the feelings are coming up. The reason I'm taking the time to say that is because that's where we are in our walks with God, right? You all have those things that you can relate to. I'm not just making this up out of thin air. I didn't read it in a book uh, that says, you know, we need to, this is probably, we can all relate to that. 
and praise God that he says you can be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that's what that practically looks like. It sounds very bible to say, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. But when I say it like that, it makes sense. Like, that's what it's like. I begin to have a whole different perspective. Instead of brewing on it and going, well, they deserve it. If I don't teach them, no one else is going to tell them. I got it. But to be renewed is, I shouldn't have sinned like that against them. Or I shouldn't have reacted like that. You with me? That makes sense? Okay. <laughs> I want to give a real quick version of this. Some of you have seen it before. So am I supposed to just like double down, work real hard, be miserable doing this? Here's kind of our picture. I'm going to use boats. Some of you have seen this. We have our raft. Tiffany. Mm -hmm. Your mom took over for you while you're gone making fun of my drawings. So you got your raft. This guy's just standing here, wherever the current takes him. This is the person who says, let go and let God. You just need to let go and let God. He'll take care of it. He'll do it. Right? That's kind of a nice way to go. But then sometimes we miss out. And then you have your other guy over here. And he's... This is an oar. He's paddling like mad. An oar. Not, not only do I have to do picture, and I have to do charades too. And um, but here, here the idea is this person is like, hey man, you can't just wait around for God to do it. You got to make it happen. You got to work. You got to work hard. This discipleship stuff is hard work. And neither one of those are really the way that God wants us to do that. The way that God wants us to do it is more like a sailboat. We do the things we need to and let him do the work. So in other words, we shouldn't just be working, 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 working. We do the things we need to to be made right with God, to be right with God, and to allow him to live, Jesus, to live his life through us. Does this make sense a little bit? And you may find yourself being, do you know if you're, could anybody here kind of go, okay, let's just say I'm not the sailboat guy yet. I want to be there. My natural tendency is to be a raft person and just let go, let God. Like God hasn't changed that yet in me. God hasn't changed my temper. I'm waiting for him to change it. I'm waiting for him to change my heart. Then the other person maybe who was like, I'm working on it. I'm working on it every day. Work really hard. I'm working on it so hard that I'm angry about how hard I'm working on it. Right? Ultimately, what we do is we begin to do the things that God tells us to do and trust him to accomplish that work in us and all the pressure is not on us. Make sense? Okay. He wants our actions and attitudes to be transformed by the life of Christ. We're going to move through this quickly. This is where I want to have you guys help me. In each one of these examples here, given in the rest of the chapter, he tells them something to put off, something to put on, and he doesn't say it so clearly, but he shows them a new way of thinking. So that's our thing, right? Put off, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, start seeing things differently and put on. So I want you guys to tell me what these things are in the following scriptures. Therefore, putting away lying, what are you supposed to put off? That one's easy, huh? What are you supposed to put on? Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Speak truth. 
There's the put off, and there's the put on. What's the new way of thinking? We're members of one another. I'm part of, this is part of my own body. We're one, we've been brought into oneness. This is my brother, this is my sister. I need to be telling them the truth. Can you see how he gives it really, is that practical? I mean, that was Michelle's, uh, had come up with that. So what he's saying here isn't just a bunch of like fluffy spiritual stuff that really doesn't have any impact on our life and just, you know, in Christ. He's saying, you've been brought out of the world. You're now in Christ. Live like it. Here's some ways that we'll start looking in everyday life. Here's the next one. Be angry and do not sin. What are we supposed to put off? Don't sin in it. But there are other scriptures that tell us not to be angry. So we, but we're just using this one, be angry and do not sin. So let's say this person hasn't put off the anger yet. They haven't figured out the anger part of it. Do they still have to sin? Be angry, but don't sin. What does that look like? That looks like what I picture is like a kettle or in the, the lid on the thing you ever see starts boiling and the, the lid's shaking, but it hasn't blown off yet. And it's, it's like, it's shaking. And so maybe you have all those feelings coming up but you don't say the bad words or you don't write the person off or you continue and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And so I don't think this means that you necessarily, and, and I've heard this, like, you know, if you have a problem with your, your spouse and you guys are angry, you need to stay up and, and work it up, work it out all night long. Practically speaking, sometimes that's good and you do need to do that. Practically speaking, sometimes that turns into a disaster. And it just gets worse and everyone's more tired and the, it just turns into a disaster. So practically speaking, here's what I would say about that. Get your heart right before you go to bed and say, I am going to choose to handle this right. I think we should get some sleep. I love you. I'm working on the forgiving part of you. I, by choice, forgive you. I'm working on that. If we need to talk more in the morning, let's talk more in the morning. Both of us are tired and cranky. Uh, but that would be not letting the sun go down on your wrath, right? You didn't let the wrath get the best of you. And I've seen other people like force this and say, the Bible says to do it. And they're up till four in the morning arguing. And then the next day they're arguing because they're tired stuff, right? Anybody experience that? Okay. Besides Carly. Um, and what's so the put off is quit sinning. Don't let the anger just consume you. Deal with your anger before the sun goes down. Deal with it. And what's the change of heart, the change of mind, the change of seeing things? The idea is if I don't do that, I'm giving the devil a foothold in my life. If I don't deal with that anger, now he's got a toehold. He's got a grip on me. Let him who stole steal no longer. What are we supposed to put off here? Stealing. Stop stealing. What should this person put on? Work. What's the change of perspective? Okay, it is earning instead of taking. But even beyond earning, it goes even further than that. The new perspective is be a giver instead of a taker. I'm no longer going to be a taker. I'm going to work so that I can be a giver because that's what you have the world and you picture those people we drew at the beginning. You have a person in Christ. Those people in Christ are to be givers, not takers. 
Here's one. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What are we supposed to put off? Bad, corrupting words, words that cause trouble, words that cause uh, corruption or are going to contaminate, corrupt something. And so what should be coming out of our mouth? What should we to put on? Words that are built up. And so instead of words that tear down, that could be through gossip. That could be through right directly to someone's face. Instead of doing that, we are to be giving words that build up, whether that's in a gossip situation and you look for the thing to say. Why? What's the change of perspective? That I could show beauty. That Here, the kind of the idea of grace is that there would be something beautiful being imparted to the people around me instead of something damaging, instead of something that's tearing down. Last one we'll do. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's a whole message in and of itself. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. So what are we supposed to put off? All that, right? So let me ask you this. Are these actions or attitudes? Both. So remember earlier when we said, you may say like, oh, thank goodness I put all the way out of the corrupt talk a long time ago. But what about this? We still are going to deal with that sometimes, right? He wants that to be put off. And so does he want us just to do that and be neutral people? No. What are we supposed to put on? Kindness, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And what's the change of perspective? Remembering that Christ forgave me. Like I, I deserve for people and everybody and God to be just as angry at me, but he forgave me. So I'm going to have a new attitude. And outlook. Does this make sense? And does the put off, let me ask you this. Do you understand why we're supposed to put off and put on? So we don't look like the world, right? We have Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to be behaving like that. Do you understand why it's important to do all three parts of this? To put off, have your thinking renewed and put on? Makes sense. Yeah. And so my question would be, what actions or attitudes does God want to transform in me? You guys could probably come up with a big list for me. What does he want to transform in you? Actions or attitudes? Activities or attitudes? Mindsets? What do I need to stop doing or thinking? Regarding this issue, how do I things, see things now? In other words, if it's, a, let's say it's lying, how do I need to start seeing things? What do I need to start doing? And again, I just kind of want to end on this. All this is because of what Christ has done. This portion of the book, we're talking about walking in the wealth Christ has given us. This isn't just go out there and be a good little Christian. This is enjoy the life we have in Christ and start letting our life be lined up with Christ's life. All of this is because of what Christ has done, not because of anything we'll do. All right. Let me pray one more time, and um, I think we'll wrap up with uh, prayer. Or, yeah, let's wrap up with the prayer. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the life that we have because of him. We thank you for the forgiveness and the new 
uniqueness that we can experience, that we can live out the life that you've given us, that we can put off those things that not only make others miserable, but that also make us miserable, Father. I know just the things we covered today, living that way makes us miserable as well as those around us and is not good for your reputation. And so I just pray that we would learn how to put those things off. But even more, I pray that we would learn to put on the life of Christ, the character of Christ, uh, the, and that we would live in enjoyment of everything that Christ has done for us. Again, I want to say thank you for my mom. I thank you for all moms that are here I do pray that where there, there are difficult situations regarding moms, that maybe this Sunday there would begin to be a healing work that would start in people's hearts. And uh, we trust you to do that. Again, we thank you so much for your love. We want to learn how to love you better. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.